Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? The world outside your window is not great, as you can tell by the falling helicarriers, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. It's everything is super, and everything is indeed super here on Post Show Recaps. We are talking about one of the most beloved Marvel Cinematic Universe movies of all time, hot off of the presses of one of the least beloved Marvel Cinematic Universe movies of all time. We are talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, second movie in the Captain America franchise here on Post Show Recaps on the Every Everything is Super podcast where we're talking all things MCU. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by this man who has just set foot into the elevator, Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, you sure you don't want to get off before we get started? Uh, I'm going to stay on because I'm going to be the one beating everyone up. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been working out. Yeah, I've been doing so much working out at home, lifting up potato chips to my face, yeah. uh, sitting still, get going from one leg to the next. You know, I exercised the other day for the first time uh, in three months. It didn't go great. It didn't go well. <laughs> I'm very sore. I think Captain America would have to hit me once and I would explode into goo and that would be the end of everything. What's really upsetting is that I legit was like, going to the gym again on the regular and I had mm-hmm. like classes I was going to before all this started and now it just all like I was like finally doing it again I was like I'm so proud of myself <laughs> what I've been doing same Z's same Z's uh, add it to the list uh, yeah. but look let's not dwell on any of that let's dwell on the fact that we're talking about uh, a real swing upward in quality following Thor the Dark World which we trashed appropriately so uh, trashed even harder than I expected to going into the movie to the point that Kevin uh, changed my score during the course of the podcasting. Uh, I I found a lot of people responding on Twitter. I'm not very much on Twitter right now, uh, but I do see what's coming into my mentions. And I saw a few people coming into the mentions, Kevin, to be like, you know, I don't think it's a terrible movie, but Kevin was very convincing. Uh, so <laughs> my superpower. <laughs> that's how I felt. I still think that it's an okay movie, but you convinced me it was terrible. Uh, we don't need to spend a whole other podcast getting into that. But why don't we instead spend an entire podcast talking about the best movie ever, Captain America the Winter Soldier, 100 stars out of three. It's the <laughs> best movie that's ever been made. A lot of love for Captain America the Winter Soldier. It is a very celebrated uh, entry into the MCU. It is based, um, not directly, but it is at least taking a lot of its major cues from a really celebrated run of Captain America comics um, written by Ed Brubaker. I am blanking on who the artist was. Um, um, on that I think run, it was Epting. I think it was Steve Epting. Steve Epting. I think that's that sounds right. That sounds right to me. Uh, a couple of artists, I think, uh, came in and out, yes. but I know Steve Epting was 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 part of that. Um, and it was it, it's like if you have uh, if if you've never seen it before, if you've never seen the physical copy, there is a twenty five issue omnibus, which is what they call those gigantic collections of comics that you could absolutely beat someone to death with, uh, Captain America and the Shield style. Not that he like really severely beats a lot of people to death uh, on the regular. Uh, but this it's a very, very heavy book, and it is filled with glorious, glorious comic books of a relatively recent run from Marvel Comics um, that gives us the return of Bucky, who had been dead in Marvel Comics up until that point, gives us the basis for the Winter Soldier character and therefore uh, the storyline for the movie, which is very, very deep in like the covert ops spy arena. Um, if if the first Avenger was all about World War II and sort of like a nostalgic throwback to another time when it was just as easy as 
you punch a Nazi and that's the right thing to do, uh, rather than it being, it's complicated, both sides. Uh, <laughs> and, and here we are in the Winter Soldier that is dealing with uh, a world and a type of warfare that is a little bit more murky, a little bit more shadowy, uh, a little bit harder to do in, 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 modern, in modern days. And I think it's, it's heavily based on that comic book run. And if you haven't read it and you love this movie and you've ever thought about picking up a comic book, this is a run of comics that I, I strongly, strongly recommend. I think you'd be really excited based on uh, how how much you love the Winter Soldier, the movie. I think you would love the Winter Soldier run uh, from Ed Brubaker in Marvel Comics. I was just actually uh, turning around to look on my bookshelf to see if I could find it because I, 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 I'm almost positive I have a copy of that. And I was just like, where is it? So yeah. um, But I could not see it uh, right now. So now I'm just kind of like nervous about where my copy of that book is. But um, <laughs> I stole it. I stole yeah. it. The last time I was there, I, I can't go out into the podcast without a uniform. And so I took the book jacket off of your comic book and I'm wearing it as a t-shirt right now. <laughs> Horrifying. Um, Very much so. Uh, yeah, no, I think that this is an extremely celebrated and well-deserved so run. And I think... You know, it's interesting what you talk about in the contrast of what Winter or uh, First Avenger was to this. And, you know, First Avenger was very much of that time, right? Like, he is in World War II. The things were easier. And this is really about, like, where do you go from here? What type of uh, soldier and what type of hero do you want to be? And I think that's a, the main thesis for, for, for Cap. And it's interesting because it was easier then in the way of, like, you just punch a Nazi. But, like, Cap's entire thing is it's still easy in, in terms of doing the right thing. I don't think Cap is ever going to argue not to punch a Nazi. And I think that's part of the power of that of, of that character and, and what's being done here is showing that, you know, um, even in the world where it's shades of gray, there are certain things that are still black and white, and he is able to kind of stand up for that. Um, yeah. it's, it's, really, it's really well done. This movie, like you said, is super, super, super beloved. I think... It's certainly one of the better Marvel Cinematic Universe films um, that is going to be coming out. Um, but it's interesting. People gave it like hard sixes. And, and when we get into our ratings, we can discuss. Uh, it is a little known fact. I think between you and me, it is known. But um, my, uh, my roommate uh, does not like this movie as much Gus, as other people. the dog? Yeah, Gus is really no. Gus has uh, zero opinion on this film. Um, uh-huh. But Robin famously uh, is not as into this movie as other people, and she came in excited to watch it again to see if her opinion would change. It did not. Spoiler. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's Where really did, interesting. she she's been ranking these along the way as well, right? She has been ranking them along the way. We've we've kept them. You know, she we added it into into the spreadsheet and stuff like that. Um, she did not rate it as high as us. She is pretty much middle of the road on this movie. Um, and her reasons are interesting, which I'm excited. Like we can delve into it and why. But yeah, uh, it is it is the hottest take I think uh, that she's gonna have um, of all these films is is the one that this is sort of like the breakaway from where I think most well, of us I'm, are aligned with. I'm I'm interested in that because I don't think that I've heard many takes um, standing against Captain America: The Winter Soldier. And and on the rewatch, there, there were a couple of things that I liked less than I expected, um, and and didn't enjoy as much as I remembered. Um, but by and large, this still was just like a, like a, a big smack to the face with a with a vibranium shield uh, straight to the teeth. Um, there's there's so much about the way that this movie is filmed and the way that this movie is presented that feels both. Uh, classic and contemporary in all the ways that you would hope 
that a contemporary movie feels, though it doesn't always. You know, uh, these big action blockbusters that just like you know uh, are are made on a factory line. Like if they had even a, a quarter of the originality of the action choreography depicted here uh, in the Winter Soldier, as helmed by the Russo brothers, who are making their debut here, uh, their first entry into the MCU, and of course they are going to be um, banner carriers. Uh, I guess eventually they will carry Bruce Banner into the into one of their movies. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're going to be the ones that are going to take this thing across the end of the finish line um, with the Infinity Saga, and they just arrive in a way that feels so fully formed and and oddly in a way that I remember at the time being like, wow, this was just like such like sort of like a dark espionage metal gear solid ish, uh, like take on the MCU and fits really, really well with, um, you know, like the spy tone of winter soldier, but how are they going to handle captain America civil war? How is that going to translate to a movie where there are tons of superheroes in the mix? And it's, it's less about like the, um, you know, like the, I don't know if you want to call them street level heroes in in this, but I think like there's more of like a like a practicality to to some of the people that you're seeing in this as opposed to Vision, who literally just like disintegrates you with his Mind Stone. Um, <laughs> and I think like that's crazy in in hindsight that I had any doubts because uh, I I think that this movie is just exceptionally directed, and I think it's not maybe quite as as standout in the way that a Shane Black movie is. Like, I don't think that it is swinging necessarily for that same sense of originality as filmmakers. I think that this is aiming, again, for something that is like, you know, like 70s thriller in the modern day. Uh, and I, I think it hits that target and then some. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I agree wholeheartedly in the sense of, the you know, Iron Man 3 felt like a Shane Black movie, which I love, so therefore I really like that movie. Um, this movie definitely feels like what you're saying right this is a espionage film this is a metal gear solid-esque film this is like a jason Bourne. this is like a mission impossible this is doing that style um but it doesn't feel like necessarily a directorial style in terms of like this is a russo brothers film but i think that makes a lot of sense like obviously you know they they weren't involved in all of the episodes like this but they are from Community, right? Uh, Community is a phenomenal show. I love it. It's one of my favorite films or films, TV series. But what's interesting about Community is that it plays with genre. They've done a lot of episodes that essentially try to mimic the style of particular genre films from horror movies to, um, you know, to mafia films to, to action films. They, they really try to invoke all of those pieces in order to recreate it in a different context in the terms of community comedy. Um, and that's what this is. This isn't a unique directorial style, but it's a unique style of film. And I think it matches it really, really, really well. It also, I think, you like you said, brings certain levels that we see um, in success in Marvel films. I think the action choreography is taken to another level here and um, is beyond incredible. I think the Russo brothers, beat for beat, have some of the action, best action and fight scenes um, in all of the MCU. Uh, they make Cap a very interesting fighter. They really do a good job making all of them unique, from Black Widow to Cap to Falcon. And that actually segues into the other thing I think they do really well is that they show how these characters can relate to each other, can interact with each other, can play off each other in a really cool way. You, you see the banter and the joking immediately off the bat. Um, I think, you know, even with Robin, we both agree the first 40 minutes of the film are really, really, really strong in terms of comedy and character. You really learn about, a lot about Cap. I mean, the, 
and Falcon for that matter. The on your left bit is hilarious. And then when it's he pulls out funny. that notepad, it's great. The like Berlin Wall up and down, I thought was great. Rocky two question mark. Like there was so much on there that I thought was really, really funny and really interesting. Did it it uh, seemed jazz. like he'd gotten to Star Wars but not Star Trek yet. Uh I think that there was a line through Star Wars, but not Star Trek. Uh, yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's hard to remember which one, but I think you are correct. Um, which I don't know if that says anything about like, and I feel the like company he, at the time, but I feel like he would enjoy, he would enjoy Trek more. I feel like that is like a Disney like shot at Paramount, uh, when it really is like pretty queer to me that Trek would probably like classic Trek would be more caps jam. Probably. I think that it envisions a future that certainly is, is, is with cap, right? That like Star Trek is famously, you know, um, uh, I think, you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Um, so I think that's 100% in line with Cap's uh, POV and this idea of unity and, and working together for a better future and utopia. So I think you are right, but it was definitely a jab, I think. Um, also, what's interesting about this movie, by the way, that you get pretty quickly, and uh, Robin said at first, but it's true, a lot of butt shots. Uh, specifically, and like she was just like a lot of butt shots in this, and I was like, "Well, it is America's ass." But I was going to say, there's a lot. <laughs> Steve gets shot in America's ass at the end of the movie, right? When he's like going to like dismantle the helicarrier, and Bucky shoots him right in the butt. I was like, ah, "Is that where he hits him?" I feel that's like America's he hits ass. Him. It's like <laughs> right below the butt, but it looks close enough to a butt. butt Fair shot. enough. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the other butts that you see in this? Um, well, you definitely see a lot of his. You you get a you get a like Black Widow shot at one point, and I believe there is a moment with Sam, but it's not like anything over the top. But definitely a lot of Captain America like standing tall from the back, and you're just kind of like, oh, hey, how about that? Uh, not hey. that not that this costume is doing him any favors, mind you. We can talk about the costume when we get to that. But well, I, uh, you mean the 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 first costume or the second costume he's the wearing first the first movie. costume, I think. You and know. I guess the second costume technically is his like street clothes, uh, where he does the Superman thing, uh, yes. where he puts the glasses on, and no one knows he's Captain America. <laughs> I love it. I love the MCU default like uh, undercover outfit, right? It's like the, glasses the hoodie, and baseball cap. Yeah. yeah, glasses, baseball cap, hoodie. There you go. No one will Gla- recognize glasses you, no. if you can. If you can shell out for the glasses, that's a good detail. But it seems like just baseball cap and hoodie also works based on yeah. uh, Bucky at the Smithsonian. Yes, right. Like, and then I think like Tony did baseball cap and hoodie. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you, if you want to do sunglasses, you can put on sunglasses like like Nick Fury at the end of this movie. Um, but you don't you don't like um, you don't like the first costume he's wearing in the movie. Yeah, like so. I mean, I think this was something we had discussed. We were gonna almost super informally talk about the various cap costumes, and this might be one of my least favorite ones. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the style of this. That it, it, it the colors are really dark. Um, and there's something I think uh, it just it looks as Robin says it looks like a snowsuit it looks a little too po- poofy and as she said it, it feels like whenever he walks his legs would just make that like sound yeah there's the there like a together there is sort of a bagginess to the Captain America costume that I I don't know if or when they they do fix that. Um, yeah, but but that's definitely notable in, in both of the, the uniforms he's wearing in this movie. It's true, and I I, I think there are pieces of the, of the first uniform I really like. Like I love I love the belt, I love the the gloves he's wearing, I love his boots. But it's just something about that outfit, and I think it's very clearly pulled almost directly from when he was um, Steve Rogers, um, super super soldier, soldier. I believe it was yeah. in the comics, and it's that costume. And I didn't really like that costume in the comics either. So I think that's also there. I, I really like, you know, when he threw on his traditional costume. I think I mentioned the first Avenger one he's wearing when he's in the war is arguably my favorite. So, um, And yeah, he's wearing it's, that it's, at the end of the movie. Right. Um, and I was very happy about that. 
I, what do you, what do you think in terms of like color scheme? Does that, um, does that hold you back in terms of your enjoyment of the costume that, that Steve is wearing in the beginning of the movie? Or do you feel like there's thematic purpose to it being sort of like this muted navy color? I guess I'm tipping the hand of my answer that I think yes. Uh, yes, I, <laughs> that I think like it's very <laughs> reflective of of the world that he has been thought out into is like it's a darker world. Yes, and I think that is very true. And Not I think, the dark know, world, mind you. No, God, if he had been in the dark world, how sad! <laughs> what a well, place for him. I mean, I guess technically, <laughs> I he guess was. he was <laughs> ever so ever so briefly, ever so briefly. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. The the colors are darker. The colors are muted. It's a darker world. It's also like one, of, and I I do like that the flip happens. I think. I think in this case it is it is thematic. I didn't think about that. You know what, Josh? Well done. I think you pointed out yet another thing that Marvel is, did really well in this, where his uh, the costume he starts off with is a little more muted, a little bit darker, a little more navy. Uh, this idea of like it's 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 the world isn't as bright as it was that it's a little more muted, um, and then him changing it to the end is bringing back that brightness, bringing back that symbolism um, versus other companies movies where it's just like well darker is cooler. We can't have bright costumes. It needs to be dark and grim. Uh, I won't say what company, but you're company. talking about DC Comics, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully, Zack Snyder uh, in the Snyder Cut uh, has a brighter Superman costume. Uh, I don't want to talk about for us. You know, <laughs> that's a future problem. Let's yes. be optimistic and hope that we have that to discuss at some point. At this point, fair you know, enough. I, the, literally, the only reason I'm looking forward to the Snyder Cut is it's supposed to come out in May 2021, and if we're talking about it, it means that a we're alive and b alive enough to 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 spend an hour talking about the Snyder Cut. Uh, yeah, so that, you're right. that is being what, alive would be great. <laughs> that is what we call optimism, folks. Um, yeah, so that was always something that stood out to me was was that I think that's why I always forgave the costume a little bit is because it did look like a representation of what the tone of this movie is. Um, that this is not about, like, uh, this is not a movie where Steve Rogers can get, like, trotted out on stage in, in you know, star-spangled pajamas and sing a song uh, and act on, you know, a, a variety show to, like, you know, rev up the troops. We don't live in that world anymore. We live in the world where uh, the head of the military state uh, it has been, is a sleeper agent and has filled the military state with sleeper agents. Um, and this is something that is, you know, uh, very, very topical is this idea of, like, the, of, of the infiltration of the of the agency that that you trust uh and i I think it's like a very well-worn um very well-worn territory in in the spy genre anyway um but it was a very i think kind of ballsy movie even at the time and in in many ways like a, a prescient movie um and going back and, and watching some of this stuff and seeing like Steve Rogers stand against Shield because it's not really Shield anymore. It's Hydra, and Shield always was Hydra too. I think that there's a lot of uh, you know we can com- you, we can quibble about the the fabric of the costume, but I think the thematic fabric there there's just so much to pull on, and I think that it's very rewarding to to tug on those strings. Oh, for sure. I mean, the the relevancy of this movie is not, I think, lost on me. It's certainly not lost on you. Um, it's it's there's there's two things that stick out to me. The one there, there's a line of like to build a better world, you have to tear down, you know, tear down the old one. Yeah. Um, is very, I think, relevant and, and purposeful. And for me, though, I think the thing that like really stuck out, you know, 
Um, the idea of people having to give up freedom willingly, like, oh my god, like that is literally what's happening and what's been happening, and and it just it was like starting to a heavy extent when this movie came out, and and we learned nothing, and instead continue down the road of of Hydra. But what I love though, you know, the captain you talk about is that, you know, he found out that Shield is infiltrated by Nazis. Throw the whole damn thing out. That was yeah. his response, which. I feel like is a thing a lot of us feel about certain very, very relatable things. Um, so, you know, standing cap really hard in this for me is just <laughs> that philosophy of just kind of like, oh, no, there's no, no compromise. Stan is Bucky. Stan is, that's Sebastian Stan you're talking mm, about. Yeah, that's the star of the Covenant. And, uh, is that right? The, yes. <laughs> a phenomenal movie I saw in theaters. And it's not a phenomenal movie, but I did see it in theaters. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. if you saw it in theaters, that's a novelty. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, those days. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, that philosophy is great. And, and and the fact that it took that sort of stand, I think, was was really amazing. And S.H.I.E.L.D. does get torn down. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone to an extent, save that TV show. Um, but even then, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't a, sh- a thing in the show. Like, the actual organization had kind of, like, fallen apart. Um, for the rest of the MCU up until recently, until Captain Marvel started to play a little bit with some other stuff. Um, we were out. We were out on S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty much. Yeah, which is which is what a, like, it was like. Shield in the nineties, so that worked right. And then you know now we so kind of have that scene where where Nick Fury's building something else, which I assume to be sword. But um, at the end of Spider Man, yeah, I mean, I guess we don't know. Sword makes sense. Sword is the is like the intergalactic shield, uh, basically, right? Well, yeah. If Shield is is the protection front, uh, Sword is the um, offensive front, essentially the the thing to to combat intergalactic tre- threats. Before it, uh, they arrive. with swords, with lightsabers and space swords. <laughs> they could do that now, though. They could do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be fun. Uh, um, I, I think all of that is 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 really resonant, and I, th- I think like there is like a gutsiness to this movie that I really, really appreciate. If it doesn't quite have the same um, like uh, filmmaker identity as iron man 3 first of all for a very good reason anthony and joe russo were comedy directors heading into this you mentioned community but they're also best known for like happy endings rest Rest of development um and i don't know if they even had uh off the top of my head i don't know if they made um a major movie before this one uh or if this was their first uh feature film. it wasn't their first feature film they did make you me and dupree what uh, which is Owen Wilson and uh, Matt accurate? Dillon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they directed that. Uh, they directed that. They directed a movie called Welcome to Collinwood, which I have not seen. Uh, they directed a film uh, in 1997, Pieces, that I had not seen. I think without having seen Welcome to Collinwood or Pieces or You, Me, and Dupree, I should admit, just between you, me, and the audience, um, <laughs> I would guess that there is nothing in those movies to rival the action filmmaking and the epic scope of not just Winter Soldier, but all of the Marvel movies that these guys are going to go on to helm. So you don't have a frame of reference for, for their filmmaking style. Um, you know, this, this really is like their coming out party in this way that they're showing something that they had never shown before. Um, so I think Iron Man 3 swings for something that is like very like clear and consistent with a very specific filmmaker's style. Uh, the Russo brothers do something where they are um, doing their version of an old school style and marrying it with contemporary aesthetics and choreography, and they do a really great job there. But what Iron Man swung for with like really experimental storytelling and like taking a chance that people 
would uh, would would enjoy them taking the piss out of the Mandarin thing rather than rioting over it. Uh, I think that what they do here with Winter Soldier is uh, very very risky in terms of the story. I think that the story that they are telling here is is a risky one, both in the context of the movie, but in the greater scope of the MCU, that they are shutting down S.H.I.E.L.D., that S.H.I.E.L.D. is like they, and they hold to this promise other than Captain Marvel, which is set in the 90s, that S.H.I.E.L.D. is done. And they even have a TV show at the time. And actually, this is when the TV show got good, uh, as far as what I saw of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is when they finally have the Winter Soldier tie-in episodes, uh, and they can now have like some uh, characters being trotted out as agents of Hydra. Uh, There's some really, really great material that came out from that. Um, But this is just like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is dismantled. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not a thing anymore from this point forward. And so this is a movie that stands for something. So of the three movies that we've gotten of Phase 2 so far, at least two things are standing for something. Screw you, Thor the Dark World is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I wonder if people also love this movie as much as they do because it came after Thor the Dark World. Like they were it just like, oh, that was so bad. It definitely um, propped it up for me. It definitely yeah. propped it up for me. I mean, this movie, like, look, this movie does have really great things. Like, even like you said, it's taking a big risk and it's taking a swing. And and you are right, it is standing for something. And I think it, it is a movie that feels, again, slightly different than the rest of the movies we are going to get and that we even get from the Russos, right? This one has a very particular style to it. Now, I think this is where we lead into the possible detriments, like certainly from, you know, um, for Robin's hot take, like the fact that this is that particular type of movie is one of the reasons it didn't work for her. And I understand that. I get that. Like, I, I, ex- I think- ex- Explain that a little bit more because I think, you know, almost a half hour into this thing, I think we could start talking about maybe some of the reasons why this is a movie that, that doesn't quite work for somebody. Just like scanning the, uh, the Infinity Stone ranking so far, uh, that three stands alone as the lowest score on the board with a bullet. Um, you know, it doesn't get lower than a 4.5 other than that. Uh, not to not to drag Robin's score, but I, I I'm I'm curious for that you know independent take because I think it's pretty uh pretty far from from where most people land with this movie. Totally, and I I think you know th- there's there's a couple of things. I think one uh the the parts of the movie she really likes she acknowledges as being really good, and she even says I can I can acknowledge it being a very well done movie, but still not a movie that I you know that that works for me or people who who people like me, and I think. The main thing is that this is a espionage movie. We talked about that. This yeah, is an espionage yeah. thriller film, very, very accurately so to the style of Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne. Um, and if you don't like those type of movies, you're you not going like to like this. this film. And I think that is a that is a very, very, very fair assessment. When you when you commit to a particular style of film, you also are going to isolate the people who don't respond to those types of movies. And I think that's a hundred percent fair if you're going to do that. Like. There are parts where, you know, there's a lot of action beats and it's a lot of like car chases and plane explosions. And if you're not into those things, you know, you're not going to like it. And I think that's fair. And not to say like that's the main thing, but it's it's just that style, that genre might not respond to people. And it it, it does make sense to me because it does. It, it's going to be a little bit of a reflection of what you'll see when my score comes around. But in a very similar way, like take Logan, right? People love Logan. If you don't like westerns, you're not going to like Logan. There's there's not really a way to do that. Like I really really enjoyed Logan, but that's 
despite the fact that I hate westerns, generally speaking. No, I hate. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I I don't like westerns. I don't hate them. I just don't like generally a lot of westerns. Every now and then you'll get a really really cool one, The Quick and the Dead or something. You know, um, uh, you know uh, what else? Like Tombstone. Um, the, the 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 high classics I will like, and I think Logan hit that level. Hence why I liked it. But if you don't like westerns, you're not going to enjoy Logan because it's a very particular style of film. So I think How about Swinging Cowboys and Aliens. Well, that's by far the best Western. No, wait, yeah. that's the hotel chain. Um, uh, no, I, I, you know, I, so I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. And, and, and you can recognize the great stuff it, it, the movie did, which we did. I mean, the, the, the character work is great. We both talk about, and I think something to call out for this film, is the work between Captain America and Black Widow. It's so good because it's two people that aren't romantically linked. They're kind of like bros. They're friends. Um, and I like that, that it was a real friendship between the two and, and it, it worked really well. They weren't that this weird, like, you know, so many times it's easy to be like romantic tension or we're going to have them flirt really heavily because they, they're going to hook up. But it's like, that's not what that is. They're just, they are friends. And it's great to see a friendship that's also between a man and a woman like that. Um, so I think, you know, success in that re- re- done really well. I think friendship is really big. His new friendship with, um, uh, uh, Falcon, you know, is, is huge in this. And of course the, biggest friendship element is the Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier part, which is the other part that Robin isn't as big of a fan as. And honestly, as I have rewatched it, I kind of feel it. I think it's really similar where we, we got a bit of the Bucky stuff in the previous movie, but there wasn't enough in this one in order to really ground that friendship. I think the thing that I did notice that it's actually a better argument than their friendship is what's um, linking them is the fact that, you know, Nat points out, and Cap, and then when they talk, that he's a man out of time, that he is from a different time period. He he didn't get to live his life. He missed so much about like what happened. Um, and no one can relate to him. No one can understand that. Except Bucky can, because Bucky lived that almost same life. It's a person who missed living their life, who was committed to this quote-unquote cause, who was you know only served, um, who is from that time period. So that idea, the idea that, that Bucky is Cap's connection... I think works really well into his motivation of wanting to save him. So there's, I think a lot of layers there, but it's so weird because there's also this element of like the reveal quote unquote, like I'm yeah, sure there's some people yeah. that didn't know, but that yeah. also is a detriment because they couldn't, they couldn't do a lot of flashbacks. They did the one, which I thought was really good, but they couldn't do a lot of flashbacks because then it would tip the hand to be like, well, the winter soldier is Bucky. But at the same point, we probably all called it. Well, <laughs> like, maybe, we probably maybe, all knew. Well, uh, so again, to to reference that that run of comics, uh, there there are a lot of flashbacks to World War II um, in in that run, and so they set up the Bucky reveal uh, through a lot of these different flashbacks to to Cap's days, uh, you know, fighting uh, against Nazi Germany and Bucky being in there, and you even see like Bucky's death in those flashbacks. And I think it's not on anybody's radar at the time because at the time uh, that the comic books made this reveal, uh, like two of like the big comic book staples are Uncle Ben is dead and has stayed dead, and Bucky is dead and has stayed dead. And, and Jason break- Todd. And they broke yeah. Jason Todd already. Right? And they Actually, broke that rule as well. For, for effectively the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, like uh, the... What is the Red Hood is basically like the DC Winter Soldier. Uh, So, you know, they they do do a very similar thing. Um, 
And I and I I think that like it just lands in a way in the comic that uh, it doesn't in the movie. But I don't know how well I can judge that as somebody who read the comic first and of course knew that uh, the Winter Soldier and Bucky were one and the same. Um, if you have no comic book knowledge whatsoever as you're coming into this movie, does this land as a huge surprise to you? I don't know. You know, I, probably right because like Bucky's barely mentioned. Bucky didn't have crazy long hair like he like he does like he has like is, you know his hair is stupid <laughs> he has like Brad Pitt interview with a vampire hair no Brad Pitt's uh, hair in interviews is actually really well done it's this luscious <laughs> and flowing you know yeah Except it's also it's like it's I guess if like his interview with a vampire character never took a shower yes exactly he did not take showers and like yeah. I will say you know there is a lot more to hide it right like He's wearing that mask, which uh, is is very, very much on trend right now. Um, and he's wearing the goggles. Very know, safe. Cover, very yes, safe. Yeah. Uh, to like cover himself <laughs> up um, for a lot of it. It was. It's not really, I think, until he's in um, Pierce's uh, kitchen that it's very much just like, that's Sebastian Stan. We just saw him. Um, right. <laughs> like that is very obvious, which was a great scene. I thought I thought that scene had amazing tension. I thought that was really well done. Um, but, you know, there's a lot that I think for the character of the Winter Soldier that is a little bit, not problematic, but I, I get a little bit boring, too, because he doesn't have personality. Like, the Bucky we knew, if it was if it was an evil version of the guy we saw in First Avenger, like, that would have been interesting. There would have been some conflict we could have felt a little bit more, I think, for the character. We're really just basing a lot off of almost what they're essentially telling us for this character, uh, which is which is tough. Um, and also well, he's, another reason he's more of a, he's more of a weapon than a bad guy. And that is great because that is actually yeah. where I walked out. Like I know a lot of people consider him the villain of this movie, but I don't like similar to Thor, you know, with Laufey and, and the destroyer, like the winter soldier is a tool for the organization, which is Hydra. Like Hydra is the real villain, not even Alexander Pierce, but Hydra itself is the real villain of this film. And he is a tool for that. Uh, he's a tool for Hydra. Um, but like, uh, also, it's it's interesting because at the same point, his lack of personality is what makes him the contrast to Cap. Right. Um, because like Cap's line that I think stuck out to me is this idea that like I talked about, like his his character journey and what he has to go through is you know he tried to he tried to come back, he tried to jump back in and follow orders and serve, but that's more difficult now. This that's what that's what Bucky is. Bucky is that, right? Like Bucky is the perfect soldier here who follows orders and serves. He doesn't question, he just does. That is what the villain is. So in order to do that though, you can't really have a personality to an extent. So in a way, like to, in order to hit what the villain is supposed to be, they actually leaned really hard into that and like eliminated a lot of the things that made him that could have made him like dynamic, like like Loki or something. Um, instead, they made him like the perfect killing machine soldier, which is you know the contrast to what Cap is and what he stands for. Um, yeah. So that was my long rant about Bucky Barnes in this movie. Uh, no, feel but free I, to I join I, in as well. Well, <laughs> well, I I think it would be it would be hard to do it in any way that isn't sort of Terminator style because I think that's the point. I think it's about like the the weaponization of um of an old ideal um is is sort of what's being expressed with the Winter Soldier and like the corruption of an old ideal. Um, and like the corruption of something and someone who was good, uh, and and where that fits now, um, and I, I think that like having that presented through um, through Bucky, especially if it's against his will, I think it, it it's it's going to play weird if he's suddenly like you know snapping one liners 
off at at Cap, and especially when there are so many other characters in the movie who can who can fill that role. Um, that I do think that like it's almost like here is somebody who can't be reasoned with because he literally can't hear you. He can't recognize you. He doesn't like he is he is more machine than man in this movie. And it sets us up for where we're going to go with that character in future movies and potentially future Disney Plus television series. Um so I I think that that's fine. I think as far as like the reveal maybe the solution is and I think that this has always been and we talked about it a little bit in First Avenger uh when we talked about that is I and I was surprised that it was it was more so than I remembered in this but like the lack of connectivity to the First Avenger because it is so tonally different we're in a totally different time period, so we're dealing with a completely different cast of characters than you were dealing with in First Avenger. Uh, Peggy Carter is here briefly in, you know, uh, old lady mode. Um, and there are a couple of flashbacks to, to Bucky and Cap. Uh, you do see Skinny Steve once or twice. Um, and I get it. Hugo Weaving didn't want to do this again. Uh, we talked about a lot of the reasons why. Uh, can we not get Tommy Lee Jones to come back? Can we not have a few more flashback scenes? Um, can we not get Neil McDonough in the Howling Commandos? That should be easy enough to do. They show up on Agent Carter, the TV show. Can we not show a little bit more of that old First Avenger world to, um, A, like remind us of where this movie is coming from, what it's connected to, and B, to maybe even like normalize the existence of Bucky in that world so it's, uh, so he's not like standing out so much in a flashback. Um, I think that those would be some solutions that I would posit, but this might not even be a problem for a lot of people that just like, you know, are totally fine with the reveal. I do think that like I have uh, like a chip on my shoulder about the John Harrison type of stuff. And if you don't know what that means, that's Benedict Cumberbatch's character in Star Trek Into Darkness, a.k.a. he's just Khan. Don't call him John Harrison. Why are you trying to fool us? He's obviously Khan. Why are you lying? And I think it's fine to lie, as we've talked about before, if the reveal is worth it. If the reveal is a good enough payoff. It wasn't in Star Trek Into Darkness. We've already complimented Star Trek, so now we have to insult it. Uh, and I, I think with the with the Bucky thing, it's not at that level, but it's also like, um, who really cares who the Winter Soldier is? You kind of just know. And the fact that like it doesn't uh, get like officially revealed until like seventy percent of the way into the movie, sixty five percent of the way into the movie, it's halfway. It's 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 about halfway that it happens. So I, I yeah. give it that. It's not all the way near the end. Um, but the con thing is actually really interesting. It's a really interesting comparison because I actually do think this movie. It makes more sense as a reveal than 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 the John Harrison Khan thing because in this when the reveal happens right like it makes sense that the characters would react. It's also a reveal not just to the audience but to the character. Like Steve finding out that that's Bucky, his former friend, is something emotional for him. Is something that that is impactful. Right. Contrast that with Star Trek Into Darkness, where when the reveal happens, it's this weird dramatic scene when he's just like, my real name is Khan. And he delivers it in such a way that it should be like, that should mean something. But it doesn't. None of those characters know who Khan is. They've never met, interacted, or heard of him. It's all for the audience, and it's all delivered in a way that's for the audience. And I think that's bad. Um, That's not well done. So I think, you know, you are right to an extent about it, but I think this was delivered better than what uh, Khan was trying to do for sure. Um, yeah. That lying to the audience thing. I, I don't think they ever lied to the audience, but they tried to keep it hidden to a certain detriment. Um, yeah, for sure. But, you know, if, if, um, 
if if Bucky is a little bit, you know, kind of whatever in this movie as far as the villain is concerned, and I still think he's cool. Like, all the action scenes, like, all the action work with that character really is my shit. I mean, I, I've said this before on podcasts before. I don't know about everything is super, um, but uh, and, and friends of mine know this, um, but one of my earliest uh, theatrical memories of, of seeing a movie in theaters is seeing Terminator 2 when it came out which meant I was like seven years old, eight years old, and I saw it in theaters as an R-rated movie. And so that's like a foundational, uh, eternally top three movie for me. And I think without that movie, I'm not talking to you right now. You know, without that movie, I don't embark on the path that I embark on uh, that leads to all of this podcast chicanery. Um, so I, 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 I love that style. Uh, you know, James Cameron, one of the great action filmmakers of all time. Uh, and so like, you're not going to see me getting mad at a really well done Terminator, uh, clone. Uh, and that is what the winter soldier is. So he's going to get points for style on that front for sure. And the character to shift is a little bit, whatever, I guess. But Alexander Pierce is played by Robert fricking Redford, man. They get Robert Redford in a Marvel movie. This is is this the classiest casting in all of the Marvel movies? Because like you would initially think like maybe Anthony Hopkins, but like Anthony Hopkins isn't above doing trash. Like he's done trash before. Robert Redford is like really not going to aim to do much trash. I feel like uh, so like if you're getting Robert Redford in your movie. Like that's a pretty big deal. It's it's great, and I think he did a good job of being. I think the face of Hydra. Um, the way that Hydra can infiltrate, the way the Hydra can pretend to be something that it's not. Um, I also think, you know, now that you said it, it didn't even occur to me, but like, man, though, at the same point, how amazing it would have been if Alexander Pierce also reached up and tore his face off and it was the Red Skull still alive. I, I mean, know, how awesome would it be? I know, uh, I know. I that would have been so cool. Um, <laughs> it would have been great. It would have been good. Yeah. It would have been good. He's great in this, and I think, you know, again, as the villain, I think Hydra is so awesome in this, like, of what they are and what they represent, and it's a villain that's unlike a lot of villains. And he's the ambassador of that. I think, like, when we're taking Alexander Pierce into accounting for our rankings, I think we are, in a lot of ways, like, ranking Hydra as a concept and how it was executed. Because Hydra can be a little hokey in the comics, right? Yes. Uh, Or is it more that AIM is like the butt of every joke? Oh, Uh, AIM is 100% the butt of every joke. But Hydra is can be hokey for sure. Yeah. There are a bunch of guys who who dress up in the costumes and are all hail Hydra-ing just pretty much like, you know, hail Cobra. And they do do (laughs) a good job of like turning Cobra into like a legit threat. Like something that feels very, very dangerous. Absolutely. Um, And I think with the gravitas of Robert Redford embodying that, um, it is... Uh, it, it is hard not to feel like, and just sort of like the the down the line delivery of his dialogue. Um, you know how he talks about how like uh, you kill two million people to save seven billion. All you need is the courage to do it, which is like a chilling line. Yeah, very, 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 very scary stuff right now. Uh, and any time uh, <laughs> would be would be horrifying. Um, that I oftentimes do think like, man, I wish he was secretly the Red Skull. Man, I wish that like there was a Red Skull component to this. That certainly is a is a is a component of some of what's being done with the Winter Soldier comics. I think it could have been cool here. I forgive it a little bit more now, um, considering I think that Marvel ends up doing something really cool with the Red Skull in their in their greater uh, mythology uh, as per Infinity War and Endgame. Um, and I think that on this watch, like just like a really really insidious bad dude. 
was scary enough for me um, uh, than having it also be Red Skull on top of it. But I mean, him being Red Skull with Winter Soldier being like set up as the reveal the whole way through, maybe that would have masked, uh, you know, it, it would have had some cover from the Winter Soldier. Like people really wouldn't have seen Alexander Pierce as the Red Skull coming. And there were a lot of rumors that that was going to be the case and it just never ends up being it. Uh, I also, also thought that maybe he was going to be like the original Nick Fury too, because he kind of looks like <laughs> uh, the 616 Nick Fury. Maybe it's just like the hair, but I feel like he looks a lot like that Nick Fury. That would have been uh, so really we funny. Gonna, Get like uh, like Nick Fury was like a mantle that is passed down from one person to the next, like the Dread Pirate uh, Roberts. Yeah, I wonder if after all of this Alexander Pierce shenanigans, if his granddaughter is still going to get Iron Man at her birthday. Uh, probably not. Considering, yeah, I guess isn't not. He dead at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, but I would assume his granddaughter still has to have a birthday party. Uh yeah, but depending on how far afterwards, it might no, be a bad it's canceled. Taste, it's man. canceled. Yeah, the birthday party's probably canceled. Birthday that ruined that. That ruins her birthday forever now. Um, but it is interesting. Like I really like that. I I, I like you know him and the presence of it. And I think I have a question though. Uh, as we are talking about Hydra, it did remind me that line. Um, because I I I saw Hydra's plan one way, and I I tried to do a little bit of research because it seems like other people see it a different way. Um, so the way that I have seen people talk about what Hydra's plan here was is to infiltrate S.H.I.E.L.D., they get this algorithm, and then they were going to eliminate possible threats, uh, including Doctor Strange and, and anyone that they felt could be a threat to them in the future, they were just going to eliminate them and then rule the world with this Iron Fist. Uh, that's what a lot of people see it as. Uh, I saw it a little bit different because I saw that only as a component. Like, the way that um, Armin Zola... Uh, the you know, um, uh, computer computer man, man. yeah. Uh, talked about it. It the key note to me was that if you they learn in World War II, if you try to forcefully take freedom from people, they will fight against you. So the, what they need to do is essentially cause people to give up their freedom willingly. Again, something we are seeing in present day, done over and over again, and a lot of people being ignorant to it. But in to accomplish that, I saw it as they created this algorithm. They created this thing in order to essentially attack people that are threats but as shield position it in a way that this wasn't the intent and in order to be like something uh attacked our people our 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 saviors you know we need to then be more stringent about what we're trying to do hence people will give up their freedoms because if they by the logic of hydra if they do what they did then try to rule the world with the fist people will still fight against it that's what they learned right world war ii wasn't superheroes it was people it was just regular people and i think that was their plan. I think their plan was to eliminate the threats, position it as something that was an outside infiltrator that caused that to happen. And in order to prevent anything like this happening again, people would willingly be like, we are willing to sacrifice our privacy and everything else in order to give S.H.I.E.L.D., because they will still see it as S.H.I.E.L.D., and the government control over everything. I think, th- to me, that was their long-term plan. That was what they that were was my. That's do. my read as well. That's okay, my read cool. as well. My, but I'm my, not crazy. My, I thought it was just me, no, and I was like, no, wait. no, no. <laughs> No, I think you could tell like once uh uh like uh Cap is making the speech at the end. Uh I feel like you could see it on Redford's face where it's like, "Ah, oh, man. I didn't want anyone to know about this stuff." Like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like they were going to like shoot 2 million people from drones and then suddenly uh like swoop in as Hydra and save the day. I don't think that's what was happening at all. I think it was it was like 
you know, Hydra was going to be the stuff of, you know, Illuminati legend, right? Yeah. And like, uh, or Illuminati in this case. And like, I think, <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that they were, you know, that's what they were aiming for. And uh, like, it's just like a realization of their vision. It's like um, the opposite of Ozymandias, right? Ozymandias did it in order to unite the world against a threat and have them all, you know, come together versus this where it's just like cause fear in the world and have them willingly be controlled. Um, but similar to the Ozymandias thing in the sense of like not wanting to take credit for it. Right. They're not going to be like, we did it. It was Hydra right. along. It would just it be was like, me. Right. I did it. I did it. Or did ago. Or did I? Uh, yeah, so I think like that. That to me. Uh, Where's that from? Actually, no. uh, that's from Popstar. Never stop. <laughs> yes, never yes. stopping. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. I did it. Or did I? But I did. Or A great did moment. I? But I totally did. Chris Rod, uh, well done. <laughs> so there's there's nothing like that in in this. I feel like we are uh, we're we're deep in this without really talking about um, the supporting cast. Uh, we talked about, uh, you, you, you know, it's a, it's a tried and true, well-worn phrase, but in many ways, Captain America the Winter Soldier truly is the friends we made along the way. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a movie where, where great new friendships are being forged, whether it's Cap and Falcon or Cap and Widow, uh, or old friendships are being tested like uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Um, and I, I think of this movie and I think of Civil War, as uh, Avengers one and a half and Avengers two and a half, respectively, um, because even if Iron Man has like a bunch of Marvel characters in it, you know, in terms of Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan and War Machine, uh, and even if Thor has a bunch of Marvel characters in it, in terms of the Warriors three and Loki and all that stuff, there just does feel like something more Avengery to the squad that's here in Winter Soldier, because all of them either are already or will be deeply associated with the Avengers. So this feels like an Avengers movie in in many ways. This feels like Secret Avengers. This feels like uh, you know uh, Metal Gear Solid Avengers. Like it just feel, it it feels like it's got that vibe to it um and i think that that's something that that elevates this whereas i i think that the cap franchise is the first one that maybe doesn't like maybe it doesn't necessarily feel like it has the same level of uniformity that um that iron man has even though i think like more and more the more i examine these movies the more i see the thread through them um but i feel like captain america is the one that starts like doing the most work of like tying the greater MCU together and being like a piece with what the big MCU story is trying to be as opposed to what the cap story is trying to be. Um, and I, I think that like it, it does accomplish both, both in winter soldier and civil war tells a really great cap story, but also tells a really important MCU story, both like thematically and how that resonates, but also in terms of like literal plot of like taking shield out or, you know, breaking up the Avengers. Um, but I think that having those pieces on the board not just that, like, it's so great to see these characters interacting because they're really, really fun to interact together, but just having this squad together makes it feel like another team-up movie in sort of the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy is about to feel like. Yeah, and I, I think that's the right call, though. I think, you know, once Avengers happens, 
it should open up this world to more crossover and more interaction between these characters. Because like comics, I think some of the most fun things is when you're reading a Batman comic and Superman or Wonder Woman shows up or the Flash or Green Lantern or all of them. Um, I think when you build a universe like this, the point is to have them interact and cross over and have almost these things be ensemble. Tell a story about the main character, yeah, but have these other elements because they are a part of this world now. I think so many times in the past, obviously, every character had their own movie and we didn't get what we always loved about the comics themselves, and that's that interactivity. We don't like the Justice League because it's just like, yes, I I love the, the League specifically and what they stand for. It's like, Oh, it's really cool to see all these characters really like together and interact and do stuff, you know, bounce off one each other, one another, both in action scenes and in banter. Um, that's what we like about it, and we do see that in these cat films, and we do see that in some of the most successful ones going forward. That they're more about ensemble pieces, they're more about um, building off each other, and I think it works really, really well here and kind of sets the stage for that, especially with Widow, um, who was an established character and becomes a key part. We see we see it in Thor and Ragnarok when. You know, you bring the Hulk and you have these two characters interact with each other and, and be a foundation for that. Um, so, yeah, I really love that about this film um, and, and, and how they establish that and they establish these character relationships that we see echo through. It is weird because I don't think we see that cat, the Cap and, and Natasha stuff in uh, Age of Ultron, which is unfortunate. But again, different directors at this point. Um, but we do, again, see it come back around. And I think you are correct as will be seen that there is a bigger Captain America arc um, that is coming up in terms of like this movie, First Avenger and Civil War. I mean, we are looking at, you know, a man who was a soldier, a man who served a country now turning into a man who served something else. Uh, yeah. You know, serves an ideal, serves a people. And I think that is a journey for that character. As I mentioned, it's not about just like, oh, yes, I am serving this country. I'm serving a government, uh, you know. Um, I'm following orders, I'm doing... It's easy to know then, yes, America, good guys, the Allies, Nazi, bad. And yes, if that was still the case, which is in real life, Nazi, bad. But that's not what the Marvel movies are, you know, that's not who they're fighting. Um, So it is interesting, you know. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, we talk about that, we talk... The thing that we did gloss over, but you had mentioned before, is these action scenes. Josh, we do have to talk about them. Like, the choreography is out of control. From the first moment of of control. on that boat, everything is so cool. The elevator scene is probably one of the most iconic movies or moments in the MCU. Just, it's so well executed. The action is so well done, so perfectly choreographed. Um, You know, I talk about the environment. The environments are used really well in this. But the other way to get me to love an action scene is not just using the environment, but using the actual fight choreography. I love martial arts films. I love martial arts films. One of my favorite... Uh, fights in the history of martial arts is actually a recent one. It's from the first Raid movie, and that didn't really use an environment for this totally. particular fight. They were in a room, but it was this two-on-one fight that was so amazingly choreographed, so amazingly brutal, and so amazingly cool, the action that they were doing, that felt unique in the moves and style, that it transcended just the environment. And I think Cap does a great blend here of the moves, the actual choreography, and the environment itself. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, even, like, there's just, like, the the physical world of this movie... It translates so well from the screen to your eyes. Uh, like, even, like, yes, the action, and yes, the choreography, and I love that you call out The Raid. What a great movie. Uh, and uh, I can never remember if that's Gareth Evans or Gareth Edwards, because there's two Gareth E's in I Hollywood. I it's Evans? I'm pretty sure it's Evans as well, but I don't know with 100% confidence. <laughs> I, uh, I will find but, for us. But one, one of the really amazing action filmmakers, and it is such a shame that that guy it is, is not getting... <laughs> 
is not getting nearly as much work because even if I don't like the raid two that much uh, on a story level, the action in that one is crazy as well. But the first amazing. I don't like the raid two story at all. I, I actually yeah. think it's a detriment for the to the first film. But the action, yeah, great. yeah. But the action's amazing, uh, and this just has like such killer action. But even like setting that aside, and like that's a big thing to set aside. You know, we're talking about uh, I think by far and away the best like final battle series of sequences that we've gotten since the Avengers and like nothing competes with it. You know, we do our informal battle rankings. I think that's going to be number two with a bullet behind uh, the big final act of the Avengers. Um, Agree or disagree off the top of your head. I think I'm going to agree. I mean, Iron Man 3 has a a chance for it for me, but I think, you know, it'll come down to what I was saying, the debate about the environment versus the And also, like, what's happening, like, philosophically in, like, that final fight, too. Like, just everything that's going on at the end of Winter Soldier is so mesmerizing. Um, But there's there's that. There's the elevator stuff. There's Cap dropping off of, like, this dude loves dropping off of ships, off of, like, flying (laughs) stuff. And just like plummeting into the world below. But that's um, been a good example that you just call that as not just the action in the fights themselves, but like, yeah, him going out the window and falling down through shield and landing on the floor was amazing. And like, he oh, I was so going to say hurt. that, but, but, but there's also like when he, in the very first scene of the movie, the way that they stage both for like comic effect, but also like establishing how, a, how the super soldier lives in the modern world of him just lapping anthony mackie over and over (laughs) and over again like that speaks to the physicality of the world as well and i and i just think that that's great like there is like they they do find a way really quickly to like incorporate sort of the the um unbelievable qualities of captain america's power set and find a way to ground that and settle that with our world uh to like make that fit comfortably alongside a guy whose only power is he's got a wingsuit um and it works it works really 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 well what's your favorite action scene in the movie is um, it the elevator it probably would be the elevator scene i just the nick think- fury scene by the way is remarkably great and i had completely forgotten uh the, like the, the chasing nick fury, in the car like, yeah like yeah nick same. i forgot that for his life i forgot that it existed and forgot that it was like as spectacular as it was great car chase yep uh the car just getting pulverized and like all the percentages popping up awesome really yeah. really really you think really, he's really getting great. away and then then the first appearance of the winds of soldiers there in the road it flips the car it's great it's a really really well done uh sequence i'm like i think every action scene in this is, is really really well done same way that i felt about iron man 3 like there's not an action scene that i think doesn't stand out and doesn't incorporate some kind of really really cool visual i mean one that gets talked about a lot and you know we, we talk about the characters and how well done they were to like establish who they are and how they work is the one where you know it's Cap, um, uh, Falcon, and and uh, Widow in the car, and Bucky comes in and he's on top and he starts shooting, and Natasha clocks exactly who to protect, how, and what sequence as she's moving around the car, pushes him out of the way, shifts the seat forward. Like it's a great Black Widow moment. It's a phenomenal Black Widow moment about how she processes that information so quickly um, and what makes her really cool. Again, lots of standout stuff for her as well as a spy, as the hacker. It's not just that badass moment. We really are seeing these other parts of her uh, personality. Um, and, uh, you know, we called out the, the Natasha Cap stuff, but I also have to give it to uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, Chris Evans, and um, Anthony Mackie for their acting. I mean, everyone's acting is really, really good in this, but they help sell the establishment of these friendships through their interactions and through the acting. I think Natasha and Cap especially, the, the way they have that chemistry is great. Same thing with um, Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans. And props to Chris Evans throughout, 
there was so many moments in this movie. Like I've talked about how great of an actor I think Chris Evans is before even coming into this uh, first event. Is that Chris Edwards or Chris Evans? Uh, that's I always Chris get Evans. Them Chris Edwards is the one for. I don't even know what crap yeah, movie I could for that. But the, like, there's the moment where even the subtlety where when he finds out the his apartment's bu- bugged, he gives this like exasperated look that I think speaks volumes without actually saying anything i think it's really really great same thing where he's in that elevator scene yes the action's really cool but the lead up to it the tension's so great when he sees one person holding on to their weapon you know he gives this look that again speaks volumes without saying anything uh like just major props to chris evans and his ability you know as an actor that if you haven't you know if you didn't believe it with this movie if you have not seen knives out watch that one that'll also give you a lot of it Yeah, yeah. All right. There's a lot to love here. Let's get into some. Uh, let's get into some feedback here to to guide the rest of the conversation. Um, some some listener reviews. The great Brendan Fitzpatrick. Uh, this is basically a Mission Impossible movie in all the best ways, right down to the unmasking scene. Yeah, that's right. Black Widow takes a face off. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's so are, much better than the Mission Impossible films, which still have committed to these weird plastic. because <laughs> that looks so bad. Get that get that out of your mouth. How dare you trash <laughs> the face masks of the Mission Impossible franchise? Uh, I look forward to Everything is Impossible, our deep dive into the Mission Impossible franchise at some point down the line. Here's the thing. I love those movies. Those movies are great, especially the Yo, recent Those movies ones. are amazing. Those movies Fallout? are... Uh, uh, I would say, like, uh, second only to the MCU, uh, the best modern action franchise. For mm, sure. Fast and Furious, man. I got to give it to Fast and nah, Furious. Nah, Fast and Furious has gone off the rails. Fast and uh, Furious but that, has gone off the to, rails. To its, to, well, I guess if it, there's, there's the off the rails of, like, eight, which is not good off the rails, but then Hobbs and Shaw is an off the rails that is amazing. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw yet, but I saw all of the trailers for it, so I feel like I've seen the movie. Josh, you haven't. I watched it recently, and this, that movie, wow. Wow. All right. right. Well, we'll talk. There's, you know, once we're done with the MCU, there's a lot to discuss. Uh, The everything is blank brand will be strong uh, again. uh, To the Snyder cut and beyond. Everything is fast and furious. (laughs) Everything is is furious. Definitely works. Everything is impossible. Definitely culturally works. You know, so this is stuff that will will last for a long time, Kevin. I think we'll be fine. Uh, So that's from Fitzy. Uh, Ted Enoch writes in, I've always loved a good superhero genre mashup, and Winter Soldier's spy thriller story is a phenomenal genre mashup. It hits all the beats of a Mission Impossible style story down to the super convincing disguise, while all also highlighting the crazy superheroic action of the world. The great Professor Strunk uh, seized on something as well with his take on the movie. I love how for the first half of the movie, he says, it's not at all clear to the audience who the enemy is we are supposed to be rooting against. There's just a conspiratorial sense of shrouded mystery and dread. This is super unique for a Marvel movie where usually it's pretty obvious from the start who the bad guy is and what they're trying to do. I really appreciate that. I think that's great. Like, I think like it does take a while for the three heads of Hydra, the multi heads of Hydra to emerge. Uh, for much of the movie, you are, and that is to the credit of the Winter Soldier reveal occurring later in the movie. You are kind of just like, who are we fighting? What are we fighting? You know, it does, it does take a while for that to crop up. And it does work really well because that is Cap's whole journey in a way, right? Like, it's not as easy to know who are you fighting and why are you fighting them uh, as much. Um, and I think that's really interesting, actually. That's a really good call out. Yeah. Um, this, is a real, this was a great uh, bit of feedback that crossed our desk this morning, Kevin, uh, from Caitlin Ash. I'm going to read it in its entirety. It's a little long. Uh, Caitlin Ash writes in, 
They filmed the outdoor Washington, D.C. scenes of Winter Soldier in Cleveland, Ohio in the summer of 2013. They shut down a major highway and much of the downtown streets for the entire summer and reportedly only paid a $20 permit fee to do it. I was working in downtown Cleveland at the time, and it was a nightmare to navigate. Everyone basically just drove in circles around the city trying to find a garage to park in and a way to get to the office. We had to leave a few hours before work because we never knew how long it would take us to get there. This is how I found myself turning down a street that wasn't blocked off and then discovered that I was smack dab in the middle of a set. Luckily, they weren't filming at the time, but it was immediately very clear that I wasn't supposed to be there. There were a bunch of fake burned out police cars and wrecked vehicles lining the streets. There were tons (laughs) of crew just staring at me driving down the street, and I was trying my best to get out of there as fast as I could. I was almost clear when I got stuck at a red light for what seemed like an hour with the crew of the movie just staring me down. The highway where the major car chase breaks into the big shootout with the Winter Soldier is a major entrance into the city, and they had it shut down for weeks but we actually could watch the fight being filmed from one end of our office building it was actually pretty cool but a major inconvenience caitlin continues concludes even because of this summer of annoyance i refused to ever go see this movie (laughs) and so this was my first viewing and i enjoyed looking for cleveland buildings and picking out landmarks i could recognize i also loved the movie it made me nostalgic for a time when the biggest thing my 24 year old self had to worry about was traffic on the way to work uh, great email from from Caitlin Ash. We're glad um, that we uh, brought you into watching this movie. Finally. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I'm the, I mean, I wish that they had been filming when you rolled up on that street, Caitlin. That's a hysterical <laughs> story. Uh, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick, who has lived in Washington D.C. for over ten years, was shocked when this this email about Cleveland uh, crossed our desk because Brendan says this is a fantastic. DC movie. Uh, the way they use the National Mall at the beginning, it really is very long, so it's insane that Steve laps Sam three times around the mall, 2.3 miles from the Capitol to the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Everything in the car chase with fury through the streets of DC is geographically correct and fantastic. Same with the bridges between Arlington, Alexandria, and DC. Cap's apartment overlooks Georgetown in Northwest DC. The Smithsonian Air and Space Museum is one of the coolest places in DC, and so glad they used it to the degree that they did in this film. It's where the IMAX is here, too, and it's where Fitzpatrick saw both Infinity War and Endgame, uh, as well as a bunch of other big screen necessary movies. Uh, So Brendan concludes, they did a great job making the parts that weren't actually shot in DC look a lot like DC or overlaying them with DC imagery. Um, So that's cool that this can be a movie that is like deeply recognizable to people from Cleveland, but also deeply recognizable to people who live in DC. Um, And as somebody who does not have huge familiarity with either has never been to cleveland has been to dc like twice um you know it definitely like had that political thriller feel to it so uh, i uh, i actually out. really 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 love washington dc i've only been there twice as well but i've, I've loved both times i visited. um it's it's an incredible city it might be one of my favorites in the u.s but it's great i really like it a lot um i'm actually glad they called that the smithsonian because there was something i did forget to mention about that which is josh do you think that kid that sees him is peter parker I expect that that's Spider Man. Yeah, I, I expect I can only that that kid. Uh, no, Captain Kid. No, that's a different <laughs> guy. That's a pirate. I just saw uh, that kid, and I was just like, I'm gonna have to ask Josh who he thinks that kid is because little now that's America be every single time, Josh. Ugh. Captain America Junior. <laughs> yeah, I would say he's probably Spider Man. No, why would it be Spider Man? <laughs> well, Spider Man's gonna go to Washington D.C. Ugh. 
Uh, no? You don't think so? No, it's All obviously right. not. <laughs> uh, this from Jared S. The political, moral, and philosophical debates that Steve goes through in Natasha and Fury to a lesser extent had me floored the first time I watched it and continue to astound me to this day. I never would have guessed we'd hear a genuine discussion and debate on international politics concepts like realism versus liberalism in a superhero blockbuster, and those debates are exactly what elevates the movie in my eyes. Um, how much of that stuff of of uh you know providing like the these like huge grand debates uh on like the political front contribute to your enjoyment of this movie uh does it add does it subtract what's your what's your take on it i mean for me it adds i i i enjoy when movies delve into this sort of stuff obviously i mean it's you know the the i don't i don't want to get too far into it but like this idea of like entertainment and comics shouldn't be political is insanity um by their nature a lot of the, these stuff are political um so yeah for me i really like that they delved into it i like that they 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 had something to say now i do think it can get wonky um i think that sometimes when you try to go certain directions and you take certain stances that are not really uh as well done or informed um you can stumble a bit right like i think i've you know we're going to talk about this a lot more down the line but i i i've been pretty um uh, vocal about why I love Ken- Killmonger so much uh, compared to you know sometimes when you you see someone doing something. With I'm Magneto. really looking forward to getting to talk to Black Panther uh, to talk about Black Panther with you because I actually don't think you and I have ever really had like a long conversation about it. I don't think we have, so this will be our first time, and we should hold it for then. But like, yeah, yeah for I, sure, for sure, that's I look certainly to it. one that deals with politics and, and and modern stuff in a way that I think is really extremely powerful and well done, and done with the right lens and POV. Um, so I think it can work. It just always depends on like who's doing it how and why and like it's really tough i mean i'm not gonna lie when you when you delve into the stuff you can do it right or you can sometimes do it really wrong and um like watchmen watchmen had the chance of like really messing up you and i were in a lot of contact with each other when watching watchmen because uh i was almost in a way waiting for the the, the shoe to drop yeah you were trolling me up. though you were trolling me because you're not a damon lindelof fan and you know how much i love his stuff so right you and were I, com- I you were coming at me for that watchman yeah. really flipped me on, on 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 a lot of my viewpoints and i was very wrong about it and um about damon lindelof and watchman was Ugh. incredibly well done and done correctly and dealt with politics in a way that i think was sensible and, and really uh, thought out so you you can do it well, but it's sometimes like I think the other part is like honestly, Josh, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop because I've experienced it happening so many times. I've experienced sure. people trying to tell these stories and really messing them up, or, or you know, accidentally even messing them up. So in this case, you know, jumping to this, I think it can it brought enjoyment to this movie in in a way depression because it's again so relevant to what is happening right now. It's literally in this movie. Once again, if Shield has been infiltrated by Hydra, you throw the whole damn thing out. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about ranking the movie. Uh, it is time to do that. Our Infinity Stone rankings, where we rank it from a scale of zero to six. Uh, I give a score. Kevin gives a score. The audience gives a score. We average the audience as a third data point, and that plus mine plus Kevin's scores gives us the official everything is super score. Um, with all of that said, I want to I, I wanna pull this from Professor Strunk, uh, who, who wrote it and said, um, Last week, Wiggler put the Incredible Hulk ahead of Thor The Dark World, primarily on the basis that the Incredible Hulk at least went for something. I would advocate that for a similar reason. This movie should best the Avengers in the rankings. Captain America The Winter Soldier stands for something in a way the Avengers does not. 
The Avengers is amazing because of what it accomplishes and the entertainment that comes from that. But the Avengers does not have a strong moral message. Sometimes sheer awesomeness is enough to prevail in the rankings, which is why I predict that Endgame will ultimately top my list. But when movies are comparable in entertainment value, and I would say Winter Soldier likely trumps Avengers on that metric too, the tie should go to the movie with the moral message. So that's Professor Strunk's take on what I do think is probably the conversation we are having here. I think it should come as no surprise to anybody that we are going to walk away from this podcast with Captain America the Winter Soldier either as the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to date or the second best to date through this point, through the point of this discussion. Um, That does not feel like a hot take, does it, Kevin? No, it doesn't feel like a hot take. Um, And I think there's, there's reasons for and against its positioning. I think that's a very, very valid point. But to me, we are still ranking these as MCU films and a key component of MCU movies or how they work in the context of the Marvel movies as comic book movies. There's a lot of factors involved. This was a standalone film. I could totally get that. Um, and I do think this stands for something a little bit more than Avengers did. I don't think Avengers stood for nothing. I think the, they did stand for something. I mean, the idea of heroism and sacrifice working together, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a new theme. Technically speaking, neither is this. But I, I disagree that Avengers didn't stand for anything. I just don't think it stood for something as strong or as powerful as maybe. Yeah, I think it doesn't I don't think it stands for anything quite as sharply as Winter Soldier does. I think that that's hard. I think Winter Soldier really stands for something. Yeah. Um and I think Winter Soldier is an excellent movie. Um there are some things that I don't love about it that we actually didn't even talk about, you know, whether it's like just sort of like, you know, generally the Winter Soldier is just sort of like a machine. Um, and to spoil my villain rankings on him, he's a cool enough machine that I'm going to give him a four. So like, I, I like the Winter Soldier quite a bit and that totally works for me. But like, you know, that's, that's like for a movie that is named after that character, uh, like the character is less a character and more a gun, uh, on two feet with a bionic arm. Um, there is like the Sharon Carter of it all. I really does not work for me. Um, is agent, uh, this agent Carter, uh, agent across 13. both of the movies, uh, that she's in agent 13. Uh, and I don't know if it's, if it's a casting thing. I don't love Emily Van Camp in this role. Um, you Anna only Kendrick have room was, to love one Emily. Yes, that's right. Anna Kendrick <laughs> was actually, she would, she would really have me advocate for that position. Um, Anna Kendrick, who I know you love was in the mix to play <laughs> yes, this do. character. Um, Felicity Jones was mentioned as a possibility. Imogen Poots, Amelia Clark, uh, Jessica Brown Finlay from uh, Downton Abbey, Teresa Palmer, Allison Brie were all people who were in the mix for the uh, Sharon Carter role. I think literally all of them I would rank above uh, Emily Van Camp for this role. I just think that she's a little, she's just a little dry, a little boring. It feels like she's just in the movie because they need to like somewhat set up Cap having a chance at another romance somewhere down the line. She feels like a studio note of a character, which is unfortunate because I think Sharon Carter in the comics is awesome. I think that they do a really, really great job with her. I think it's especially unfortunate because Peggy Carter was such a great character. Going to be a tough act to follow, but like they basically don't even try to the point that they don't even really tell you that they're related in this, in this movie. Um, so I dislike that character, uh, and that disappoints me because I think that the character really could have worked. Um, the other thing I really dislike, and it's just a moment, but it's a moment that annoys me to like my core and annoys me in a way that there's nothing in the Avengers that annoys me to this level. It's when Jasper Sitwell is on the roof. It's like, we're monitoring everybody. Tony Stark, Stephen Strange. (laughs) Stephen Strange isn't a thing yet. No one knows. (laughs) 
That Doctor Strange is a thing. That but, is a studio note. Set it up. Yes, but they do establish that they take a lot of you know information in order to predict the possibility of someone becoming a threat. Stephen Strange may not have become Doctor Strange, but he could. What have what information in do they have to process that Stephen Strange could possibly be a threat? He's just a he's a surgeon at this point. He's yeah, not well, a his, he's not a Sorcerer Supreme until 2016. His SAT 2013. Scores. Uh, so his dumb. Why would they mention him? Why would, they, why would he? Why would he mention Stephen Strange as if anybody on that rooftop was going to have any idea who that guy is? It's very true. You're, it's it's the I reveal thing. It. It's, I hate it. It's the con I hate thing. it. <laughs> it's again, and it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's in, maybe this maybe this is him. Maybe he's like the one who insists. Like, I just want a lot of mystery around me. He's Sherlock Holmes. The dude loves a mystery. Mm-hmm. He's good at solving so that, them. That, that's always bothered me, and I know that's a personal personal quirk um i uh, the experience of watching the avengers the first time just like not nothing has replicated that for me other than two avengers movies uh since you know in infinity war and endgame civil uh, war for me probably i don't think even necessarily civil war for me um maybe we'll see um but i think winter soldier is one of the absolute elite movies of the mcu it's just for me in terms of my personal preference my personal taste my like sense memory that's associated with the watching of the films. Um, the Avengers is going to beat Winter Soldier every single day of the week, and by a margin, you know, not like a huge margin. But I gave the Avengers a perfect six. Um, I'm not going to do that with Winter Soldier. I'm going to give it a five and a half. Uh, I think that's a totally fair score, and I think you know, for me, um, in a very similar way, there's a lot that I really love about this movie. I think it does a great job establishing a lot of things. I think it does a great job with the character work. The action is out of control. There's a lot of really, really great stuff in this movie. We we spent the past X amount of time, hour, discussing all those really great things. That all said, I will admit, when given you know, beat for beat for chance for chance, I also enjoyed watching Avengers to a degree that I didn't fully get here there is just something about the funness of avengers the interactivity in the action scenes with banter i do think the russo brothers nail that stuff later on but i think early on you don't get the type of like witty banter or you know interesting moments during the action scenes you get in the future films or that you got in avengers um so i think a lot of that works to avengers being really great for me compared to to this and lastly the most biggest one um as essentially convinced by robin is that while I do love Mission Impossible, I do love the Bourne movies, I do thoroughly enjoy them, I am not a huge, 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 huge fan of spy thrillers. Um, I think I can like them, and I think this movie showed a way in which I can like them, but if I'm not the type of audience member who's going to respond as well to them, it's never going to be a six for me. And so I ended up giving it a five, because for me, that is where it lands. That's the amount of enjoyment I, I truly had and I do think the little detriments and not really being into that genre as much as like other people are prevents it from being a perfect six. So for me, it's a five, uh, unfortunately. Well, not even unfortunately. That's the way yeah, high. Why are I, that, you apologizing for a yeah, five out of next six? To, I think next to Avengers is the highest ranking I've given so far. The, the audience is higher on Winter Soldier than you and I are. This is the, if, if the audience had its way, this is the number one movie of the MCU. And I think that that's worth tracking, that this is the audience favorite for the Everything is Super Crowd. It gets a 5.7. Multiple sixes. Multiple sixes uh, in the rankings. And again, nothing lower than a four and a half. Other than that, three uh, from, uh, from 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 Robin, uh, not to drag Robin. I think that uh, you articulated why she feels that way very very well. Um, so between that, between the five and a half the, uh, from me, the five from you, the five point seven 
from the audience. It gives us a 5.35. It's the second best MCU movie, according to Everything is Super. Uh, but according to the audience, it is, it is number one in their hearts. Uh, so, you know, we will, we will track that along the way as, as well. But I think for this to be behind the Avengers aligns with my feelings on, on the MCU, certainly. Um, this, this is, a, this is appropriate placement for, for me. And look, all the, the Captain America movies are all amazing. You yeah, know, they're agreed. The Captain America series outside of the Avengers series. These are the best ones. I, I agree. I think beat for beat, um, they are, uh, not even close. The strongest films with, without a case. I mean, I guess we will see there still hasn't been a third Guardians movie. You know, um, or, or a second Black Panther or a second yes. Captain Marvel. So there's still opportunities. Um, um, but the Spider-Man think, movies are good, but like you know, they're not they're not the Captain America movies. Looking at my own personal rankings, which we we did previous to this, uh, it did it did shift for me because I actually had Avengers behind Winter Soldier, so it's actually above it now. So that's the first like I think major shift there. I think in, in my rankings, <laughs> uh, villain rankings. Um, I'll just I'm just, I'm going to spoil it. I see the data in front of me. I think that this is funny that um, Alexander Pierce and the Winter Soldier are going to form a Winter Soldier sandwich around Trevor, the Mandarin. <laughs> uh, that Trevor is in fourth, uh, as far as our villain rankings are concerned, and he is surrounded by the Winter Soldier and Alexander Pierce. I think the biggest surprise is that Alexander Pierce is the one that is scoring higher. Uh, I gave him a four and a half, and so did you. It looks like Kevin uh, right. and the audience. You know, th- we're not even like far off from the audience. The audience gives him a four point six. Uh, <laughs> so we're like all in lockstep, and that gives Alexander Pierce uh, the 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 bronze medal of the villains so far um, behind the two Lokis. That's really surprising to me. That is, but I think you know on this rewatch, an indictment on all the other villains, maybe, but yeah, also I mean, like, uh, like, hey, thank you for bringing Robert Redford into the MCU. He's super great. Yeah, but I think also like, like you know, like we discussed, I think a lot of people also went into this looking at it not just as Alexander Pierce, looking at it as Hydra and as an organization because that's really yeah. what the villain of this movie was. And I think in, when you compare the two of Hydra versus just the Winter Soldier, I think Hydra for sure is the better villain uh, at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I think Bucky, where he lands, like I said, I, I, you know, he ended up a three for me personally, because I think, again, I think they did a lot of stuff that, that did a dark reflection of, of Steve and, and was, you know, an interesting contrast to him. I think there was a connection to the hero that was really well done. But that lack of, um, of personality, the lack of backstory, I think, in terms of like really driving home their friendship or, or their relation, um, I think brought him down, in my opinion. Uh, and his yeah. hair. His hair needs to be taken care of. I can't his believe they never they need to shave it. change his hair the entire series. It's insane. I don't know what it looks like for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I hope, I hope better. Him a <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, I gave him a four. You gave him a three. Audience gives Winter Soldier a five as a character. So he's the fifth uh, best bad guy in the MCU right now above Red Skull. He has risen above Red Skull. Barely. He's a 3.94 against the Red Skull's 3.88. Um, post-credit scenes. There's two. Uh, a twin series of post-credit scenes, including the one about the twins, uh, which I, I really enjoyed at the time because it's like, oh, cool, our first look at, at Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver yeah. in the MCU, and we don't, we, don't, we don't know what they're planning on doing with those characters yet. Um, so I remember you know, being like pretty hyped to see what they were going to look like in action, and uh, everyone knows I love me some Wanda. 
Uh, and I loved, uh, I, I loved like seeing that in, in action for the first time here uh, in this post credit scene. At the time, uh, still plays pretty well for me here. Four and a half uh, for me for the for the first of the two post credit scenes. Yeah, equal score four and a half for me. I was really excited at the time. I'm still pretty excited. Like the tragedy of of uh, Age of Ultron isn't isn't you know at the expense of of this ending scene. It got me really excited. I'm still excited. Um, you know, uh, as a comic book fan, I've talked about like the mutants are my jam. Like that is the thing in Marvel I love the most are the X Men. So seeing two mutants, you know, show up, especially Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, was really really exciting, and still is because it did get me pumped to go into Age of Ultron to see them in action again. Um, obviously, we know how it all plays out, so you know that part kind of sucks to an extent uh, because of <sighs> corporate nonsense, which I'm sure we'll get into once we watch um, uh, Age of Ultron. Just deep sigh over that but uh the wanda stuff is great and i think it sets up her as such a great character like she actually really grew on me i think um as this you know as the mcu went on so still 4.5 it's still a level of excitement maybe not as high as it was then but still pretty high for me even watching it now so that's the fourth best post-credit scene according to the rankings um the other one is uh the 10th best it's uh, bucky at the smithsonian uh according to the rankings it's just bucky at the smithsonian you know, yeah, that's, that's I gave it a gave it a two. It's pretty much where we're at, right? That's two for me as well because like most of the Bucky yeah. stuff is like, oh hey, it's 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 Bucky. I feel like that's that's the that's the reaction constantly with the character hey, from this moment forward. Oh hey, it's Bucky. <laughs> you know, he shows up. Audience liked it better than us. A three point eight from the audience, but uh, we dragged it down two point five three uh, for the Smithsonian scene um, at the end of Winter Soldier. Uh, all right, some informal stuff. So battle rankings. This is easily the second best final battle of the whole thing. I think behind Avengers again, because the Avengers final battle is just unbeatable at this point. Um, but Winter Soldier comes close. I, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I actually I wouldn't I'll- even say comes close. I wouldn't say comes close. But I think it's like, it's, for me, it's clearly above Iron Man 3. Yeah, it's above Iron Man 3. I mean, I there was a lot that I really loved about Iron Man 3 Battle. It ticked off a lot of the boxes I think work really well, but the, as did the Winter Soldier at the end of the day. I think I think it it stands out above just because of the choreography as well. Like I think it played really well into what Cap is like a character and what his fight scenes will end up being and the emotionality behind it, right? Not just the connection to Bucky, but Cap essentially being like, "No, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to just kill him like that's not what the solution is i'm gonna you know i won't even fight at the end because you know there's more to it than that so i really like that i really like as i'm even saying it now now I'm, i think you're right i think it's far i think it's a way above the iron man 3 one i think it's i don't, it's I don't think it's close. close i think it's to avengers i think it's i think it's way above iron man 3 and i think it is uh it is clearly if not like massively behind the avengers but i think like clearly behind the avengers because that whole final act is giant battle makes yeah. the move <laughs> you know the whole mcu is built on that the back of that uh you know leviathan of a final act There's um gonna be few you battles and I, that live up to that level you and i batted around uh the stanley cameo rankings before we got on the air and we landed at winter soldiers as a top three is it because it's really funny to watch like stanley screw up his job yes like that's just a really fun <laughs> moment like the yeah. reason why it went above avengers for me is just because it's like the blink and you miss it in Avengers, which was fun, but like just that moment of focus where he's just like, "Oh, I'm so gonna get fired." I think it's great, you know. He, I also he, thought that he like it, just in my brain, like I completed his sentence. I'm so gonna get f- with a different f word. <laughs> uh, like I am so, f- uh, and, and which I cut. was cracking up about for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, you know what? The Incredible Hulk still king of the ring. Uh, it as is. far as the number one Stanley cameo, it won't always be that way. But let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah. Here's the thing about the Incredible Hulk. At least it's got something right now. It's um, got something. It's got something still. <laughs> there is there is one more ranking I did want to throw down that uh, as we are here right now, which is the uh, the Inform of Black Widow hair rankings. Ah, um, uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, we haven't we haven't even embarked on that. So you have to you have to. You have to establish that for us here. Yeah, so I mean, you know, this is this is the real ranking that I think Robin cares about the most, which is uh, Black Widow's she, hair. She, she has opinions on this. I she say. does. Uh, Black Widow's hair changes constantly. I think it's never the same in any film. Um, I think that's and right. Some, some are great and some are truly awful. Uh, she has very strong opinions about the, what it looks like in, in Endgame. Um, but before we get to there, you know, this was a good spot. We've been doing a little bit along the way, so... Right now, um, do you want to start with the number one or work our way down? Where, how, how do you want to do this? Yeah, and I think it's important. To, these are Robin's Black Widow hair rankings. That is I correct. don't think that you and I are getting a say in this. This is These are Robin's Black Widow hair rankings. That We're is adding this yes. to the ongoing tally. This is yes. great. Um, let's, go, let's go three, two, one. Give us the worst and build up to the best. Well, there's actually four that's being ranked here, as you'll see. Um, so in last place, specifically in fourth place, is uh, Natasha as Black Widow in Iron Man 2. This is at the end when she finally reveals herself as Black Widow. She has those that like really ringlet, long, flowing hair, uh, which is looks like a really bad wig, which I agree with. Um, and it's kind of insane because it's like, why take your hair out of the bun in order to do these fights? Sure, yes. Um, for, in, the po- for the poster. Yeah. Uh, in third place is this one in Captain America 2. Uh, it's just way too straight. Uh, the cut length is very odd, but it just uh, does not work, I think, in, 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 in a particular look. I didn't mind it as much, but, you know, again, we're going on uh, the, these, this person's particular, particular ranking. Um, okay. And then in second place, it is as Natasha in Iron Man 2. Um, even at the time when, she, when we watched it, she was like, oh, my God, I don't remember. I thought I remember her hair being really bad. Um, but as Natalie, it's just styled in a very specific way, really well done. Um, and when it's released, is where she's like, "Ooh, that's bad." So number one uh, with the a Avengers. bullet, I think she said, very, very far ahead is the Avengers hair. Um, it's just a, a great cut. It's a great length. It totally makes sense for the character. So right now, that's in the number one spot, and it might be hard to beat. So uh, really excited to see this continue as we go further along in these movies. My my only question about this is where does Black Widow's hair rank as it? Uh, pertains to like the world leader she's disguised as towards the end of the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's very she interesting. Has, like, I'll have to bring that yeah. one up and see where that one. Yeah, places. so if you can, if you can find that out, and we can uh, adjust the rankings uh, <laughs> moving forward. But otherwise, I don't think I have any quibbles with this list. Yeah, I think it makes. I think it makes sense. I don't dislike yes. this one, this hairstyle as much uh, 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 comparatively. But again, um, my 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 view my view is uh, I guess a bit different as well. Uh, oh, one thing I did like, though, um, speaking of fashion and, and style, I loved their Your favorite sneakers. subjects. <laughs> yeah, uh, their incognito sneakers when they were walking in the mall for Black Widow and Steve both. I was like, those are great sneakers. I kind of I didn't them. notice. I uh, should go back and watch. They're great. They're great. They're very colorful. Uh, they're very styly. I like them a lot. So I, that did catch my eye. <laughs> uh, was that just an excuse to reference the Robert Redford movie sneakers? <laughs> no it wasn't but uh that's really funny now that, that you said that it's a great movie uh speaking of great movies guardians of the galaxy is next yes i'm very excited i'm also interested because you mr wiggler have said it before 
where you don't love Guardians as much as other people. You are you are the yeah, Robin just, in this world. Yeah, here. but but I but I I should clarify going into it that I I mean it literally as in like I like the Avengers movies more. You know, like I I prefer the Avengers movies to Guardians of the Galaxy. But I think that these are great characters, and James Gunn is a terrific filmmaker, and I'm gonna love this movie. And this will you know be in that five range for sure. It'll be somewhere between that five and six range. Uh, for me next week. I think there's zero question in my mind that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to emerge in the rankings next week as a top three movie. My question is, will it will it surpass the Avengers and the Winter Soldier or one of them? I guess it would surpass both of them if it surpassed the Avengers. Um, <laughs> or is it going to be in third place? That's my question going into this. But I think between Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy, we are, uh, we are altering our movie rankings in uh, the most meaningful way in a long time. Uh, with with two uh, top three entries arriving back to back, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be and, real. And interesting no quibble on that are. front from me. Like yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. As we go forward and deeper now, I think it's going to get real, real interesting because like we're hitting past what can be considered the slump, especially once we get past. I mean, I think phase three, it's just going to be almost like home runs after home runs after home runs for a lot of these. We got to do um, Age of Ultron, and some people don't really like Age of Ultron, and, you know, I get that. And then we're going to have to do Ant-Man. Some people don't really like Ant-Man that much. I get that. And then we're cooking with gas, pretty much. Yeah, and, like, honestly, uh, I, we are, in my opinion, past the slump. I think Thor the Dark World was it. Nothing is going to be as that bad again. Um, so we're going to, we're gonna. I think I'm going to enjoy whatever's coming forward. As I think the worst that we'll get uh, after Thor the Dark World is good. Yes. Like, it was good. It was, it was good. fine. That's well, a good, maybe, maybe it's like a good a movie. Fine. Maybe there's like, oh, it was maybe, fine. Maybe a fine. Maybe yeah. a fine. Maybe a fine. Maybe a fine. But then we're going to get, like, some movies that are like, oh, that was so good. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think oh, most, of my, most of my original, like, top fives were movies that, my entirety of the top fives are movies that are going to be coming out in phase three. Yeah, some people wanted us to rank (laughs) phases one, two, and three. And, like, what's the point? Phase three is clearly It's phase three. It's phase three, guys. It's clearly phase three is number one. Phase three has two Spider-Mans, so. (laughs) Yeah. It does have two Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's a big phase. It's unfair. It's a size advantage. It's great. I'm really excited to get to those movies as well, because I can't wait to gush about my love for so many of them. (laughs) All right. Well, we've got some time before we get to that. We're going to get to Guardians of the Galaxy next week. A lot to talk about there. So get your feedback in super at postshowrecaps.com is our email address. You can also tweet at us at postshowrecaps. I'm at Round Howard on Twitter. Kevin is at Kev Mahadeo. Subscribe if you have not done so already. Ratings and reviews greatly appreciated uh kevin anything else going on in your neck of the woods um nothing at the moment i mean you know still coasting off of what we said before i think it's important for people to continue to support and pay attention to what's going on um you know uh the worst thing in my opinion to be happening right now is any sort of um pulling back or dying down or quote-unquote getting bored i mean it you know comparative people have talked about like i guess we're we got bored with covid um which does feel that way sometimes (laughs) in terms of other things um I, i really you know, hope that we don't get bored of COVID and definitely don't get bored of this. I think it's really important. So please continue any support matter you can any way of like, you know, again, if you can't get out there, please donate, please do some other stuff. Um, so yeah, there's that, um, in, in a more brighter thing, I did want to call out actually something we forgot, which is Danny Pudi's uh, cameo in this movie, which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I'm that, still not a community guy. I really got to fix that someday. Got to yeah, get into it. I know. Um, I know. And uh, that 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 reference at the end, I thought the Pulp Fiction reference on on Nick Fury's gravestone was fantastic. Uh, oh, that's fun! That's fun. really well yeah. done. Great, um, Nick, great Nick Fury movie. Yeah, this is the, but this is the best movie for Nick Fury, right? This is the best. This is at least 
in the in the conversation for the best Black Widow movies. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is both uh, in the conversation for 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 their best films. Um, Black Widow's phenomenal. In it. I think mean, I think she's pretty good moving forward. Maybe Age of Ultron people have some problems with, which we can get into next or two weeks from now. Um, Hopefully, but, she her best movie is the actual Black Widow movie. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> Hopefully, that's that would be ideal. Um, <laughs> but as far as Nick Fury, yeah, I think this is this is probably his best film, and uh, the only one that'll maybe hit that is going to be Spider Man um, in a, a couple. Well, but uh, it's not even really a Nick Fury movie. Um, because no, technically it, he's oh yeah, he's you're, an you're alien. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That isn't even Nick Fury. Captain Marvel. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Captain Marvel. You yeah. are totally right. Also, yeah, that was a bad Nick Fury, but that was yeah. Okay, I sorry. Yeah. That was my, that was a blank on my part. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's okay. All right, so we're gonna get into Guardians of the Galaxy next week. Get your questions in. Very excited to to get into the Rocket Raccoon and the Groot of it all. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition of Everything Is Super. Until then, everybody, stay safe, stay sane. Take care. Bye-bye.